0: This is Bringing It Backwards, a podcast and platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their own personal stories on how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Brady Parks of the band, The National Parks, over Zoom video. Brady was born in Nevada, raised a little bit in California, stayed there until about eight, and then moved to Colorado, where he spent the remaining years until he moved to Utah to go to college Brady's musical journey started off on the piano. He started playing piano around 8, 9 years old and then ended up getting a guitar. I think he was 13. His mom brought home a guitar from a garage sale. And from that moment on, he started to really try to learn how to play and write music. He's always written songs pretty much from the day he got the guitar. He started playing open mic nights when he attended college in Utah. He eventually met Sydney, who was a part of the National Parks, and they were playing shows together as the two of them. A couple years later, they went from a duo to a full band, and they started calling themselves the National Parks. Brady tells us about recording their first record, which was all done via a Kickstarter campaign. The massive success of their song, As We Ran, the milestone moments from their record, Until I Live, and Places, putting out the record, Wildflower, in the midst of the pandemic. And how they're able to do a little intimate tour with that record while everything was still kind of shut down. And he also talks about their most recent release, A Mix for the End of the World Part 1. Part 1 is out and they're currently working on Part 2, which will be out beginning of next year. You can watch the interview with Brady on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be rad if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Back Pod, And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website, bringinitbackwards.com and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringinitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase, because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with the National Parks. My name is Adam, and this podcast is about you, your journey in music, and we'll talk about all the new stuff happening with uh, the National Parks. Awesome. Sounds great. Very, very cool. Um, well, first off, talk to me about
1: where were you born and raised? So I was born in Reno, Nevada, and then moved around California a bit. And then I grew up, we, we moved to Denver, the Denver area when I was like eight. And so I spent the rest of my time there until I moved to Utah for college. And that's where I currently am.
0: Okay, cool. So you said Nevada to California to Colorado.
1: Yep, exactly. <laughs> right, right on. Yeah. How'd you get into music? Um, I've always loved songwriting. Um, I took piano lessons when I was a kid. And then um, my mom bought me a guitar when I was like 13 from a garage sale. And uh, that's what I really wanted to play was guitar. And so she showed up one day with it. And then from there on, I just started teaching myself and, and writing songs like crazy. And um, then when I moved to Utah for college, I just started playing open mics like crazy and, and meeting people. And, and uh, through that process, met the rest of the band and everything.
0: Awesome. When did you start piano lessons? Ooh, I was probably like 10, maybe. Okay. So you're in Colorado at this time? Yeah. Yeah. I was in Colorado. So, yep. okay. Did you do like recitals or, and was piano something that your parents kind of pushed you towards?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was like all of my siblings. It was kind of one thing that we all did was take piano lessons growing up. And so I'm the youngest of five kids and, and everybody took piano lessons. And so it was just my turn to do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone else
0: in your family, did they any, anyone else pursue music as a career?
1: No, nobody did. Um, I'm like pretty much the only one that's doing anything with music at all oh, uh, anymore. Oh. I have like siblings that are lawyers and dentists and and everything like that. So <laughs> I'm the one that's pursuing this creative path doing music. That's cool.
0: That is cool. So yeah. um, you got a guitar from your mom bought it at a garage sale.
1: Was it an acoustic, electric? It was acoustic. Yeah. I still have it too, but. Um, well, that's awesome. Yeah probably like 20 bucks at a garage sale. And I was, it was the coolest thing in the world. I was so stoked to get it. And you started writing, you said right away. Yeah, I did. I learned like two basic chords and just like wrote a song as soon as I got that guitar, just like diving into it. And I've always like, for me, songwriting's always been like, like I've needed it. Like I needed that release and, and going through, High school, you know, typical like high school drama breakups, like that kind of thing. Like the emo part of me needed to use songwriting as like this cathartic release. And so um, I wrote some songs and they're pretty, they're pretty like emo songs because I was back in like 2007, 2008, you know? Right. right. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I was like super like drawn to that. And uh, yeah, that's how it all began pretty much. Wow. Okay.
0: Were you into creative writing prior to learning guitar? Like how did you, you know, you talked about it being released, write songs, but I mean, that's early young age, right? Like 13.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I've always felt like I've needed some sort of like creative release. And when I was young, I used to draw all the time or, you know, like I've always tried to build things and be as like creative as I can with different, I don't know, whatever it is, different mediums. And, and when I found songwriting, it was like the thing that fit me the best, I think. Okay. Okay. And did you play, you talked about open mic nights when you're in college, but
0: did you perform out or have a band at all when you're in high school?
1: Um, A little bit. We, I had a band with some friends and we, we played for like our neighborhood one time. Like we got all our friends to come listen to us in our friend's front yard pretty much. And, It wasn't, like, anything serious. We were just having fun with it. And uh, we never did anything, like, real shows with it at all. Okay. I would play, like, some acoustic things here and there. But, yeah, never never had, like, a real band playing real venues with real shows, you know. Okay, that That didn't come
0: until you are in college. Right, yeah. So, when you, you go to college, do you go to college for music?
1: No, so... When I went to college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was actually pre-dental for the first year of college. And, like a
0: sibling of yours.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I was like, no, I don't think this is for me. And so then I transitioned to graphic design and, and it wasn't fitting like perfectly either. And so I ended up doing um, advertising with a, with a minor in graphic design. So Okay. Yeah, so I studied, I pretty much studied advertising with graphic
0: design. I mean, that kind of goes hand in hand a little bit with with music, right? I mean, at least graphic design. Yeah. Do you create the logos and stuff for their national parks?
1: I do, yeah. I do all the, the merch, the album covers, logos, everything like that. So it's, it's kind of fun to be involved in the full process of it, you know, like seeing it come together visually and with the music and tying it all together. Sure,
0: sure. sure. Did you have a band prior to national parks in, in college?
1: um kind of it it, the band we had it was me and sydney and it kind of transitioned into the national parks Um, but we were just messing around and, and you know playing for fun and then we decided to get serious about it and that's when we decided to give ourselves a name was there like a moment or
0: something that happened that made you decide like oh we should really start doing this seriously
1: i think it evolved over time um it was like we would, we, our first show ever was at a battle of the bands and it was a, a two night thing. And we won our night and went to the finals. Wow. And it was our first show ever. And, and we took second place at that battle of the bands. And then from there, just like little things would happen. And I remember playing our first sold out show, um, in Provo, Utah. And like, everyone was singing along to our songs and, It was like mind blowing that that was happening. And then from there, get going on tour and, you know, seeing the music grow outside of Utah and just those little moments that you have that after you get to a certain place, you're like, I can't picture myself doing anything other than this. Like Mm -hmm. we have to do this kind of thing. Mm
0: -hmm. You did you. So the battle of the bands was just you and Sydney no we had a couple of other friends in that okay. as well you didn't just play as a I yeah. i thought i was thinking you guys just went up there together as a two-piece and no no yeah we had up a, against a bunch of bands yeah, and drum. still get second but still that's impressive
1: yeah it was i mean we had just formed the band like a week before that too so we were so fresh had no idea what we were doing at all and it was pretty exciting <laughs>
0: And did you have like a record or recording? You talked about playing a sold out show with people singing back your lyrics. At what, at what point was that in your career?
1: Yeah. So that was right after the national parks released our first album uh, is when we had that first sold out show and, you know, not knowing what to expect. It's like the first time we ever put out a record like that. And uh, yeah, getting up on stage and, and, you know, going into the first words of the first song and hearing people sing, along and i like backed away from the microphone got emotional like it was definitely For sure yeah wow wow <laughs> from
0: there what was that the record uh the mossy mountain uh no so that, oh, was, before uh, that,
1: or after. that was it was after that uh when we formed national parks that was called young
0: okay so your first record with with that was and that was built off what a kickstarter campaign
1: That i read yeah that? it was yeah wow
0: how did that so talk to me about that that's in, that's incredible
1: yeah so we uh, uh dude I, it was it was a crazy time cuz we knew we wanted to record at this amazing studio in Utah called June Audio where we still record at mm-hmm. um but you know recording time we had no funds at all for it and so a lot of people at this time were doing kickstarters for creative projects like this and so we just decided to to put it out there. We had friends that helped us make cool video for the Kickstarter. And, and luckily the music scene where we're involved in, in, in Provo, Utah is like so supportive. So it's like so communal. And uh, we had a lot of support to help uh, fundraise for that album. And, and it was, it made it happen. That's crazy.
0: Did you, how do, how do you, was it all just via online, like marketing or how, how do you get people, excited and and able you know to contribute to something like
1: that yeah that's a great question I feel like it's so long ago that I can't even remember but (laughs) yeah I'm pretty sure all we did was we did a video and had like some you know the coolest incentives we could think of and then just push it out there on social media and try to get all our friends our families and and we had a lot of contributors that you know we didn't know. And it was our first album and it's cool to see it like spread and people get behind something, uh, that they don't even know what it's going to be like, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. That's what's incredible to me is that you didn't have a record out. Right. And there people are willing to, to help fund it. Yeah. It's wild. That's, that's pretty cool. That's really special. Um, and what, what was, the success of As We Run, was that part of that same record? Um,
1: or was that much later? So that song came right after that album. Um, probably like a few months after we released that album is, that, is when As We Run came out. Um, and we, we were shocked at the, the initial push that that had and, and are still so grateful that that song is like our biggest song on Spotify and on streaming everywhere.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, it's like 21 plus
1: million plus plays. Yeah. It's That's crazy, you know? It's like, you don't really know what to expect, especially when you're a brand new band, mm-hmm. and having a song kind of take off like that was was really exciting, still is. Um, but, yeah. Is there that something have- that sparked
0: it? Like, do you know
1: how it, it kind of began to take off? Um, I, You know, I'm not completely sure i think it's probably a combination of things um one thing we did when we released that song well we actually teamed up um with a documentary series to write that song and so i wrote oh, really? it for yeah for this documentary film about this couple that got married in the tetons and it was a beautiful story and um so we wrote that song for that and then when we were going to release it we were like for the first couple months, let's donate all of the proceeds to, um, the national park conservation association. And I think that was something people like really liked to get behind, you know, helping out the national parks. And, uh, so I think that was a, a, a cool thing that we were able to do early on. And then I think we are just lucky with getting on playlists. Like, um, it got on like some running playlists on Spotify and, you know, was able to reach a lot of people because of that. Oh, wow. And, and how did you get involved with
0: love to uh, love in the Tetons? Is that friends of uh, yours that were doing the documentary or?
1: No. So we had like, we were so new, like on everything. And, and we had a Twitter account and we had this friend running our Twitter account for us. Cause he was like a marketing major and he knew what he was doing. And, um, I don't know how this happened, but all of a sudden we got this DM from, from them, from loving the Tetons from NPX. And, and they uh, reached out and they're wondering if we wanted to get involved and, and write the, write a song for the movie. And we're like, yeah, we do. I think they found us cause our name or something, but. I was going to say that because yeah. the, the film, it takes place in a national park, right? It does Yeah. So it's about this couple from different backgrounds that they actually meet in uh in Grand Teton National Park and then their love story begins and then they actually get married uh, in the park as well. So it's a really, really cool story.
0: That's awesome. And with the successes of, of as, as when you ran, is that something that really like, were you able to tour? Like what the success of that song, what did that bring to, to the band?
1: Yeah. um, Great question. I, I feel like it's, it's still bringing a lot. It's, it's a song that is really getting out there still on, on playlists. And um, when we, when we do tour a lot, people come up to us and say they found us because of that song on a certain playlist. And um, it's really cool because you, you feel like with, like one song can kind of change a trajectory of where you're going. And that song, it really, really gave us a lift, especially early on as a band and, and we we're able to tour, and it opened quite a few doors for us in that way.
0: Did you have like label interest at this time?
1: Uh, no, not really. Um, that was something we were we were open to, but also pretty excited to stay independent, um, mm-hmm. and you know, kind of just build this thing from the ground up and and try to pursue it on our own. So,
0: yeah, I like that mentality because it's just funny because when you see or. I I don't know. That was a few years back when you that was what twenty fourteen when you put that record out. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, nowadays it's like if if a label like they have like these feelers out there. I swear it's like if a song starts to do something or it has a million plays, and then that's when the the ANRs and the labels start to go out and be like, hey, you know, yeah. what do you guys got going on? So it's it's interesting that yeah. I mean, you guys obviously have a a huge streaming numbers on. On that song, and I maybe it was just because it was earlier on, and labels weren't. I would I, just because of the numbers, I would imagine, like, hey, all these majors are like, what are, you know, trying to piggyback yeah. on the success you had already created. <laughs> I
1: think so too. I think it was kind of before that wave where you know, if a song started popping off, then you know, something happened from it. It was kind of like early on in Spotify days, yeah, when that, when that started going. I remember when it hit a million streams and it was like so fast and we we're like what is happening like a young band like that you know just so pumped on on what was going on oh
0: yeah that's a huge milestone a million plays yeah for the first time ever like it was exciting yeah oh, that's huge and then oh well, now you think about 21 million i always put the like try to put it into perspective like if you think about 21 million people listening to that song like that's that's more than like L.A. and New York, like every person in the city, like combined. you know, yeah. listening to <laughs> the song, like, like it's just so mind blowing to think of, like how many people have have heard your song. It's, yeah, it's crazy to me. It is
1: when you put it like that too. It's like you know, put it to, puts it in perspective. It's not just a number on the Spotify screen. You know, it's right? Like, it's like yeah. you're
0: looking. It's like real people listening to the song, and then like 21
1: million people. yeah listening to the song and like when we tour we always play that one as like our finale song and uh it's just so fun because it's almost like this feeling like people are waiting to hear that song and then when it when we start playing it it's like we're all in that moment together just like going wild with it and we play it a bit different than than the recording and Uh uh, since it's been it's been like how long six seven years now yeah it's been out for a uh, while Uh, But yeah, so it's, it's fun to play it in a new way, but you know, it's just so much energy and so fun.
0: For sure. For sure. And the next record you put out was called until I live. What would you say the, the success, like a milestone moment of that album would be like, what was the next step in your career after seeing success of as we ran?
1: Yeah. I, I think it was just the continued growth and our sound evolved quite a bit um, going into Until I Live, we, I think playing live a lot and touring a lot, um, kind of helped shape the direction we were going on. And, and Until I Live is as much more, uh, like energy, kind of a little bit of a pivot away from our, our folk roots on, on our first album, Young. And as we ran, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> more to like a little bit poppier infused in that folk sound. And, uh, and it was just so fun to create that record um, and then to bring it to live shows. And, and, you know, I felt like we had some momentum going into that album and and being able to tour it after the fact was was awesome. We could just see it building and building. And I, I would say a milestone moment on that album was our song Monsters of the North won the uh, international songwriting competition. And so wow. that was like a huge deal for me. Uh, as the writer on it, like just feeling like, wow, like I can't, be- I, I, I couldn't believe it, you know, that mm-hmm. it would get that kind of attention. And so, yeah. And that's just- an award for un- unsigned artists. Yeah. For unsigned artists. Yeah.
0: And how did the, how did you, did you like submit the song or how did that come about?
1: Yeah. Um, we had a manager at the time that, that I think heard about the competition and submitted it. And, you know, we didn't think anything was going to happen. You, you submit a million things and you never know. And uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, super lucky to to be picked.
0: That's incredible. That isn't re- that's really incredible. Uh, would you say what was the difference on what about recording the record? Did you feel like that was different at all? And you probably had a bit more experience in the studio at at that point.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so with our first album, we recorded since we'd had like a very small budget. We recorded it live. We did we tracked it all together. And, really? Uh, yeah, all in different booths and. Uh, you know, that was a really, really fun way to record that album. But when we approached the next record and every record since then, uh, we, we took our time more with it and, and tracked it out individually and, and really wanted to make each song as, as polished and perfect as we could.
0: Mm-hmm. And the, the, you put places out, that was the, 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 the follow-up to that record and yeah. the same, I guess, same question. What would you say like a milestone was from that?
1: Uh, that's a great question. Um, something that I think stands out to me from that record is is a song that's personal to me uh, called 1953. Um, mm-hmm. I wrote that about my grandparents, and we, ni- we didn't release that as a single or anything. It was just kind of like, you know, this, this softer, more intimate song that's on this kind of more produced album. And that song has organically become one of our top songs now. And so I would say a milestone would would just be seeing how people have connected to that song, uh, specifically because it's so personal to me. Yeah. uh, I think it's really cool. And it wasn't pushed
0: out as a single.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like one of those songs that you don't think is going to like pop off, but when it does, it's like, it's cool to see that.
0: Yeah, especially having people resonate with the song that you, you know, is really special to you and it wasn't like, oh, this is like a, you know, a banger pop hit, let's put it out as a single and people are just like really listening to the record and kind of finding their own, you know, single, so to speak. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's rad. That is. And you Wild Wild Flower came out in 2020 or before 2020? No,
1: in 2020. So originally (laughs) we were going to release it in like april and then i think we pushed it back to june that's when we when we released it last year and was that record complete prior to the
0: the pandemic or was it a totally new way of recording for you guys or was it was remote
1: like where were yeah, you when so, the
0: pandemic happened
1: we had finished it it was completely wrapped up by october november of 2019 Oh, so wow, okay ready to go and and you know we are we had a lot of big plans in the works, and then that's when everything just shut down and it was it was a really, really weird time to be releasing a record and it was our it was it's an album that I feel like is like our best work ever. like I was so pumped about this album, and I still am, but it was just like you know, when we released it, we couldn't go on tour. We couldn't uh, do the things we wanted to do. We had like a lot of marketing ideas that had to get shut down. Like we had billboards in New York that were gonna go up, but that couldn't oh, happen wow. because no one was going to New York anymore. We were gonna have like movie theater ads, but you know, movie theaters were closed. Like it was just like the craziest What time. a bummer, yeah. Yeah, so, and we were planning our own music festival to celebrate that and we had to cancel that. And that actually just happened. We just, we actually pulled it off. Uh, really? So, Tell me yeah. about the music festival. So it's called super bloom and, uh, it's in Southern Utah in at Zion national park. Really oh, awesome cool. Park. Yeah. And, uh, originally it was going to be last year, uh, but we just had it, um, a month ago. So, uh, we got some amazing bands, Yolk Lord Joseph and, uh, some awesome bands from Utah as well. And it was all day, all day festival and it was amazing wow I'm sure that was a lot of work putting that together too it was man at least we had like you know almost two years to to work on it now so yeah kind of plotted out and did you
0: do like a like a campfire tour for that record also
1: yeah we did so when everything was shut down we, we were like we just released an album how do we not Tour this in some way, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. So when things started opening up again to like groups of 50 people being able to gather, mm-hmm. um, we decided to go hit like everywhere we could go. And well, we started in Utah. We did like 20 shows in Utah in people's backyards around a campfire, just completely acoustic for groups of 50 people. And it was so successful that we decided to take it on the road and, and we played about 50 shows uh with the campfire tour so that's cool yeah so i feel like we were the only band in the country touring but you know it was a different different way for us to do it and uh ended up being really special and something that we could really connect intimately with our fans and, and have a good time doing that
0: yeah because everyone was on that like live stream thing where i i don't know <laughs> yeah,
1: we did you, you ever sad. do did you do any of those or no we did like, we did some live stream stuff and you know, it gets tiring and, and kind of boring like after a while. Cause you can't like, it's awkward. You play a song and you finish and then you're like, you're okay, like, now like yeah. is anyone listening. Like, I don't even know if anyone's out there. Like it's, it's a weird thing. So.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure for you guys too, you feed off the audience and it could, I bet it gets kind of stale and you're like, okay, this is kind of, and everyone was doing them. It was just like, it became this like way oversaturated market. I feel like. sure. Yeah,
1: totally. I agree. Yeah.
0: I mean, I understood why bands are doing it. And obviously live music or live touring and, and playing live is a big lucrative part. I'm sure yeah. of, of, of the industry and having that all taken away. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's cool that you guys kind of found your own little workaround to, yeah. to be able to tour and connect with people.
1: That's, I mean, that was the beautiful part too, is that we, it was a time when everyone was just kind of coming out of like being quarantined and uncertain of like what was happening and, Mm -hmm. and and missing that human connection. And so when we were able to do that, it was like, you know, such a breath of fresh air for us to be able to, you know, connect like on a one-on-one basis, essentially with, with some, our fans and just friends and people out there. It was awesome. That's cool. Um, and you just
0: released what part one of a mix for the end of the world. Yep. That came out what last month, a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. It came out a month ago. Yeah. Month ago. Okay. And then there's a part two coming out as well. Like tell me about this record and and when was it put together and how did the two parts get split up? Like I want to hear about it.
1: Yeah. So this was, this was a a quarantine baby for sure. This was during, during, during the pandemic and, it's very much uh, a group of songs about these times and and how it can feel really heavy and, and really uncertain. But if you take a moment to step back, you can find so much joy in the moments with the people you love. And there's so much good to experience still. Um, so it's a little bit of both of that, kind of me working through all of those feelings and, and those thoughts. And, and when we started recording these songs, we didn't have you know, part two written at all. It was mostly just like, let's, let's record these songs. And during that process, we all kind of felt like this feels complete right now. These songs feel complete, but it doesn't feel like it tells the whole story. So let's just put them out as they are. Um, and so we, we put out part one and and are currently working on part two now.
0: Wow. And is it like a, is
1: it a concept record or do they just kind of go together? Uh. Yes and no. I, I, It's not so much a concept as it is just like what it is that we're living through right now. You know, it's it's there's a song called UFO, which is about like it was kind of inspired when the Pentagon was releasing ufo footage and it was like how much crazier could this get you know like
0: right i feel like nobody was really talking about that either it's like we yeah. finally got proof that there's some
1: sort of life outside of this and yeah. no one's it's discussing like, yeah, it cool. yeah <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. yeah so there, i mean it's just there's and then there's um early on in the pandemic when we were first locked down there was an earthquake that happened in utah and it was like, that doesn't really right. happen. here. I was going to yeah. say, I'm
0: from California and that's our thing. i would never heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: Utah having an earthquake. Yeah, dude, it was super strange. And it truly felt like the world was like ending, you know, it was like, what is happening? And so there's a song uh, called Headlights that touches on on that. And and if and it's kind of like, if the world was ending, where would I be? What would I be doing? Who would I want to be with? That's mm-hmm. kind of like the scope of the album pretty much.
0: That's cool, and you and part two is continuing the kind of the storyline of of part one, like
1: yeah what, what, what part it, two yeah part two, so part one has a lot of songs that are uh more like acoustic and, and kind of l- less produced, I would say um mm-hmm. more, more like slow, kind back. Of yeah, and then uh part two, I think will be a little bit bigger sounding and uh, kind of continues thematically with part one. Awesome. And were these
0: recorded what one people could actually get together a little bit, or did you have to like remotely send files back and forth to each other? Like, how were the songs recorded?
1: Yeah, we were able to get together and, and record these ones in the studio. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And
0: it so it was- <sighs> I, mean, I would imagine, yeah, so part two is <laughs> it would be the same vibe.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So it's it's fun to uh it, it was kind of fun. It was almost less pressure because it was not a full packaged album all at once. You know what I'm saying? It was like, let's let's in the recording process, we kind of didn't overthink it. We just wanted the songs to come out, how they were gonna come out and and try, I don't know, just like not overthinking that process. And and that was a really cool experience. And and I think with part two, we are gonna do some different things in the recording process, so it'll be fun to see how they work together, but also how they're both different
0: yeah, I'm excited and you obviously did the show what a couple the the festival you put on that was recent yeah, yeah. and then are you are you guys doing a tour or anything coming up to support the the record the newer one
1: yeah, so uh we were supposed to be on tour right now um but That was, uh, postponed due to some COVID stuff. Um, but we were, we were going to be on the road with Matt Carney right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were, we were super stoked about that, but, uh, still figuring out, uh, what's, what's going to be going on. My wife, who's also the violinist in the band is pregnant right now. So we're expecting. Thank you. Yeah. We're expecting our first kid in March. And so we'll, we'll take some time off, you know, and then hit the road next summer for sure.
0: That's awesome! Is he gonna be your first kid?
1: Yeah, first one. Wow, that's so
0: awesome! I have yeah, two so kids it. of my my own, so <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I can imagine yeah. that you're st- you're stoked. Yeah, that's really cool.
1: Definitely yeah. a
0: change, uh, life changing moment. Well, for sure.
1: Yeah, be, <laughs> yeah. Be a lot to figure out, but
0: yeah, we're we're so excited. That's cool. And so, are you gonna try to make the Matt the Matt Carney
1: tour happen then? Yeah. So he's going out um like earlier than we're than we're able to because of the baby um mm-hmm. so we're still trying to figure out the the, the rest Logistics. of the tour or art, yeah everything else so yeah he's a good
0: yeah. guy i had a chance to interview him as well he's cool
1: Very he's cool awesome we, we played a show with him a few years back at at one of the colleges here in utah and and like he he came aside and like talked to us for like 30 minutes and like you know out of his way to talk to us and we we're like man this is this is a cool guy and. And so, yeah, we're, we're super stoked for him and what he's doing.
0: That's amazing. That is amazing. And I can't wait to hear the, the next part of this record.
1: Yeah. Part two. And part that's coming out what next year? Yeah. Next year. We don't have any solidified dates or anything like that. Um, just kind of taking it as it comes. Sure. Right on. Well, thank you so
0: much for doing this, Brady. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. I have one more question for you. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists.
1: That's a great question. Um, I would say my advice is hard times do come and it can be really easy to like get discouraged, but I would say, remember, try to find the moments and the magic in it still like, remember why you do it and why you love it. And also like really pay attention to how other people react to your music. And I feel like, uh, when we hear positive things from people, it, it really reminds us like, this is why we're doing it. You know, music is such a powerful tool and it can be used for good in a lot of ways. And, and yeah, people need that. People need the, the good uplifting stuff in their lives.